Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode of Living Light Outdoors. Story time with Buster. Man, we are in chapter 12 of A White Stone. Getting in here a little late this evening, but want to get this on the line. Now, remember where we left, Train had visited a young lady named Crystal in the hospital, who obviously is a rich, spoiled brat, apparently. Train was there to tell her that she needed Jesus and that Jesus loved her. Uh, what an incredible thought that uh, God would take the time to come after someone who obviously uh, she's hurting, she's torn, uh, needs the Lord, and God simply saw her and sent someone along her path. We're going to start with chapter 12 tonight, as always, from our Father's heart. The harvest is white right now, but my church is so busy doing good things that they can't see my things to do. I ask you, when did my gospel call you to any activity that did not have any the eternity of the souls of men and women as its purpose? When did I ever ask you to protect your rights? Wherein, my word, does it say that you must occupy your time doing works that have no impact on the salvation of your enemies? I am not in the midst of you of your projects of men. The ultimate purpose of these doctrines of men is the preservation of your freedoms your way. I have set you free, my way, so that you might share my light in the darkest places for the good of those in bondage. How pitiful and powerless your works are. You have chosen this day whom you will serve. All projects that have fleshly motives will fail. I call them wood, hay, and stubble about to be burned away. Some of you will stand empty-handed before me on that day. You think that your arms are full of presents and offerings to me. They are barren and of no eternal worth. Turn to me. Remember my desires. I care about the souls of those who are perishing. You care about preserving your life and call it my desire for you. It is not me to whom you are listening. Turn now to my purposes. Revelation chapter 3 verse 15 through 17 says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. That's right. He's going to be there a couple of days. No, everything's going well. Look, Sally, I didn't talk to Tom myself, but to Maria Raphael, a lady who takes care of Sunday school kids or something like that. She sounded very nice, and I'm sure Tom is fine. Yes, if I hear from Tom or anybody, I'll be sure to let you know. Sure. God bless you too, Sally. Stop worrying. You know Train's heart. He would rather die himself than see Tom hurt or in any kind of trouble. Yes, yes, okay, I will. Bye now. Pastor Wickham put down the phone. That was Sally Bracken, Tom's wife, he said to the distinguished-looking man sitting across from him in front of his leather-covered desk. She hadn't heard from Tom, and, well, you must have heard what I said. The man smiled condescendingly, but somewhat pleasantly, addressing the triviality of someone else's problems. Sam Thompson, a very successful restaurant franchise owner, was in no mood to hear about anyone else at this time. He was about to insist that no more embarrassing incidents, such as the one that happened the previous night, should ever take place in his church again. One more petty, controlling power play, 
Pastor Wickham thought, while starting or staring at the intricate pattern of his silk designer tie. But then he was a large contributor, so his weekly visits and constant letter writing indeed to be it needed to be endured. Why do I have to put up with this, Lord? He mused to himself, listening half-heartedly to the ramblings of the busybody across from his desk. Every conversation with Sam ended in the same manner. Okay, Sam, we'll try not to let it happen again, and we'll look into that other concern, he said, ushering the recently and very temporarily contented man to the door. Have a good day, he said politely. I'm sure, he thought. Returning to his desk... He looked out his office study window at the beautifully sculptured, scrupulously manicured landscape. Morgan Wickham, he thought to himself, Pastor Morgan Wickham. He had gotten pretty used to the sound of that in the last 22 years. Could it be that long ago? 22 years. Fresh out of seminary and on fire for the Lord, he came to his holiness Christian fellowship. He remembered many long but beautiful nights of prayer and communion seeking the Lord on behalf of his people. It was much smaller then, a budding little church in a growing community outside a major city. Who would have dreamed it would have become to this, he mused, as he looked admiringly at his vast paneled four-room office complex with private bath, after randomly touching and lovingly remembering the contents that matched the titles of books in his library of floor-to-ceiling shelves and centered reference table, he proceeded to the private chamber he used for rest during those particularly rough times. He then went through the immaculate kitchen, passed his full bath with shower, and headed back to his office. God sure has been good, he thought. Somehow, though, he missed the times when, in desperate need, he would close himself in with his Lord to intercede for his little fellowship of friends. When did all that change? When did the mechanics of the wisdom received in board meetings replace the steps of faith received in prayer? About the same time the miracle stopped, he said out loud. Then, shaking the thought and melancholy, he passed the intercom. Mary, would you get me Jim Wilson on the phone? Yes, Pastor, came the immediate response. He's waiting for your return call. After several moments, the intercom phone sprang to life. This is Jim Wilson. Jim, Morgan Wickham here. What can I do for you? Morgan, thanks for calling me so soon. The black and chrome box returned. I've been thinking, Morgan. Well, more than thinking. In fact, Charlie Bates, Bill Smithers, and Bruce Harrison and I felt we should do something for this train fella. He looked pretty ragged and harried the other night, and we thought he must be in real need. So we each threw in a thousand dollars to, you know, help him out. And we would like to open up the offer to help out the rest of the congregation. Uh, could we do that? That's very generous, Jim. I will do that. We could invite him here Sunday night and present it to him. Good idea, Jim said. Let's do it. We'll make the arrangements with Mary, and let's go for it. She can contact him with that intercom. The, the intercom went silent. So easy, Pastor Wickham used. $4,000, just like that, to someone who is almost a stranger. I wonder if they would take or have taken it to him in the inner city. He was almost embarrassed to think that such a good, caring people. Of course they would, he thought. Wouldn't they? Wow. <laughs> I know these are kind of short reads, little short chapters, but what a what a picture we're painting here. And I, and I really hope you're able to see this picture that's being painted because it, it really does draw us imagery of seemingly what our churches are like today. We're more concerned about our 
fancy buildings and our fancy services. And we don't want anything disrupting the flow. You know, we don't want anything out of place. We don't want anything out of the ordinary. We want comforting things. We want to know that what we're doing is, is, is you know, making people happy. We're not as concerned anymore of what it is to find ourselves on our knees in prayer, desperately seeking the Lord for answers and direction. I think we need to find ourselves back in that place. And, and I think Pastor Wickham is thinking the same thing. He's He's reminiscing of times of old when, in desperate need, he found himself before the Lord seeking answers. And now it was down to board meetings and people telling him how to run his church. Uh, that's where we are in a lot of places this day and age. God's asking us to get back to the basics. It's not about our programs. It's not about our plans. When did we stop seeking the lost? That's what God's got us here to do. He, when Jesus commissioned us in that great commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel, make followers of every nation, every people group. That's everybody that's in our sphere of influence. We are to lead them to Jesus. That's our role. That's our calling. Every follower of Christ in this world today has the same task at hand. We may each go about it in a different fashion, but the message remains the same. Without Jesus, we don't have any eternal security. Without Jesus, we're going to hell. And and that's just that simple. There's no other equation. And God's calling us out in the midst of this story. Get back to his business instead of ours. Amen. Whew. That's a powerful little word right there. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for following our podcast and our story time. I pray this is intriguing to you. I pray it's drawing you in to the story. I see everything in imagery when I read, so I'm seeing the picture. Uh, and I, I, I have to actually put characters in place in most of this. And as I said, I've been in this as a playwright. I actually played uh, the, the, the Pastor Wickham's role here. So um, it's a lot of fun, uh, but it's also an incredibly powerful story. Amen. God bless you. Rhonda and I love you. We thank you for your support. We thank you for your prayers. Please continue to give. Please continue to pray. Walk with us on this journey as we seek out that which is lost so that it may be found. God bless you. We love you. We'll talk to you again real soon.